everybody this is the man up podcast with your host jake the mississippi superman reeves and again this week i'm joined uh with my good friend alan aldridge from porch talk um really really glad i asked you to come on this week yeah it turns out that uh no shows yeah i <laughs> well i knew west wasn't gonna be here um found out throughout the week tyler wasn't gonna be here so i asked you to come on because i knew west and tyler and originally we had uh dr mark romano coming on for this episode I had a little bit of a miscommunication with Mark because he asked if we could do this coming Sunday. I thought that it said Saturday. We normally don't record on Sunday. We go live on Saturday at 4, and um, I just didn't catch it. So it was, it was my fault. I, he is going to be on the Wednesday episode, but he'll, he's not going to be on this episode. So here we are. With just me and you, with no content planned. Oh, we're going to be fine. It, oh, we're going to be good, for sure. I'll tell you this, like, just with podcasting, and since the world is somewhat returning to normal, one thing I found is uh, when I was setting up interviews, Porch Talk travels, Porch Talk is... Yeah, you're on the road. On the road a lot. Yeah. And now that, you know, musicians are, their schedules are booked, and uh, uh, the festivals are going, it's a lot harder to get interviews now and so like my tuesday thursday drops like that's one thing about the schedule right like if you go live saturday at four you need to go live saturday at four yeah that's i mean because as much as uh as much as i hate it man people routines man yeah they get they get used to something they want it 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 stinks because you know when when i have fights and tournaments it makes the saturday at four hard but saturday is the only day that i can consistently get my co-hosts my guest schedule's worked out, and so it's it sucks, but I don't really have another I don't really have another option of doing it, and and so and and, and it makes it so there's been sometimes we've had to go do it on Sunday, it makes sometimes we've had to pre-record it and post it on Saturday, but um, there's some downside, and, and so I get that, and I don't do I don't do as many guests as you do, and I want to start doing more, but I don't do as many guests as you do, simply because a I don't want to, yeah. In a way, like I just I don't necessarily want to do. I'm I'm a you're a much better interviewer than I am. You do a really good job when you interviewed me. You had questions ready to go. You had done research about me. When I've done all other people's podcasts, yours and other people's, they they have done they've done research about me. Mm-hmm. They kind of they come in and they have questions ready to go. You had questions ready to go. You had kn- you knew things about me beforehand, and we flowed really really seamlessly. I don't have that skill. So when I do interviews. I'm just like, let's take a couple shots and let's bullshit for an hour mm-hmm. or two. And that's my interview. I don't really I don't really have a lot of pre plan I did with Lil White when I had Lil White on. Oh yeah. I had some pre planned questions. I mean, what did, what did you not already know though, right? Actually a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 I, that was I, a that was a fun interview. That was a good one. But here's the thing about Lil White, man, is it had that being a good interview had nothing to do with me. Yeah. Like anybody can interview Lil White and it come out as gold. The guy is a star. He is mm-hmm. he's got that thing about him. I he recently, was so much different than what I was expecting, how I envisioned Lil White to be as a kid. I watch I look at his album coverage, all tatted up, looking all mean. That is not him at all. That is not Patrick. Yeah. You know, his real name is Patrick. Mm-hmm. And Patrick is the nicest, coolest, most outgoing, um, He's super intelligent. He's on it. Like he just has a gift that the majority of the population doesn't have, and that's the reason why he became famous. Yeah. 
yes, he's a good rapper. Yes, he's got this incredible voice. But what keeps him going, I, I've just – he was so impressive to me. He came yeah. in and he was so impressive. He came on this interview and anything – I mean, it, it was like he guided it, really. Mm-hmm. Like, you could even get back to, like, I would ask questions – kind of trying to be a little controversial or I try and I tried to push him in some directions that created some good clips asking him his opinion on like the MGK mm-hmm. trans uh, transformation becoming a ballerina or whatever the hell he's doing now um asking him things about uh how prohibition helped make him rich and you know trying to kind of and he would just he would hit it and he would he would turn it, it into he would pivot it into like that was the question when he we got a really good clip of him talking about how Oxycontin was not even going to be an album cut. Yeah, that, that that was insane to me because like that it's is the biggest song he ever did. That's what I know about it, right? You know? It's that's the first song I ever heard of. Yeah, that's it's it's crazy. It's so how how wild that is for like whether it be a musician or just anyone in the creative space. Like maybe it's that podcast episode you recorded that you weren't really sure about is the one that blows up. Right. Uh, it's crazy. Like this time of the year when you got your year end stats. Spotify will send you, and it's like the episode that got the most downloads for me this year. I would have never guessed it in a hundred years. What was it? It was my friend Hunter Burrell, and uh, his uh, they're getting married, they're engaged now. But uh, his fiance, they're both chiropractors in Meridian, huh. so we spent half the time talking about uh, his music musicianship, and then the second half talking about like chiropractic, which is something that weird. Yeah. Which is something that I was like, I didn't really believe in like chiropractic. Like one guy that really turned me on to it was like you because like you're you're into it. Like right. you say it helps, and yeah. I was like, is I it, is it is yeah. yeah is it like snake oil? Because like if you go once, do you have to continue to go again to if get? If you talk reset? to Doctor Mark, who was supposed to be here today, he would say yes. Yeah, you have to keep going. Yeah. Like he he will only see you if you commit to keep coming. He oh. won't see you for a single t- a single session. Like, if you come in, like, I want to pay you. I'm in pain. I need to pay you to fix this. He won't see you. Oh, wow. He will only see you if you're, like, he does a monthly fee, and you have to come one, two times a week, and that's it. That's the only oh. way he'll see you. Um, not all chiropractors that way. I'm no. not saying that that's my, my viewpoint on it. That's a, cr- that's, a, that's a good business model, though. That's, his, that's how he does it. He that's like a subscription plan. Yeah, know? exactly. And that's what he does. He does a, he does a subscription. He does a, a monthly fee which is in my opinion um i'm not gonna say it's low but um somebody wants us to cut the cheese on the podcast if i, if I gotta go dog don't worry i got you um <laughs> sometimes the chat yeah it really does bring some like you're like oh hmm. all right that's, that's what you want all right can i get to give can i get us can i get the second mic down here <laughs> <laughs> i'll just turn around and bend over in front of the mic <laughs> And <laughs> just let her rip. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I like it. And I've got a lot of neck issues from years. And it actually stems from playing football, going like cracking head to head with people. Mm-hmm. And then I got an MMA. I've been hit a lot. I've been slammed on my head, been slammed on the ground, on the mats. And, you know, been neck cranked and choked and just years and years of abuse. And so I've got a, got a bit of a neck issue there. And um, when I go to the, the chiropractor once a week. I do see a difference mm-hmm. in my ability to perform. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and just act like it. it's magic. 
because I mean I'm still in pain at times. There's mm-hmm. I still have to be careful, but it does make a big difference. I had to go to Hunter uh, one day, dude. I was getting a case of water out of the back of my truck, and something in my back just went off. I couldn't mm-hmm. I couldn't stand up straight. I couldn't lay down. I couldn't Amen. find couldn't find any any relief relief. Yeah, and I I called him. I was like, dude, I know I've been dissing chiropractors, but dude, you got to help me out. It was a Sunday. And uh, I get in my truck. I'm in Kennedy, so it's like an hour and a half drive to Meridian. I, I'm wincing, hour and a half down to Meridian, uh, meet him at his office, and uh, one session gets me back right. I go back with him in the morning, and he's kind of th- our. It was his fiance, uh, J Meg. But uh, uh, that night, that morning, haven't had an issue since. Wow. And uh, every now and then, like you get a little shot or nerve ending mm-hmm. that just ain't sitting right but other than that i remember one of the worst changed my mind yeah I've, I've had that i've had that happen several times i've done that a bunch of times one of the times i was i can't believe we're having a chiropractic talk when the that with the episode mark was supposed to be here and he's not <laughs> here uh jokes on you bub <laughs> yeah right the first time uh or not the first time one of the funniest times was i was uh i was training in tuscaloosa and i'd never trained there and they were sparring. They were getting some guys ready for fights. And Same I, gym as I, the Bronze Bomber? No, 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 no. That was a bo- that's a boxing gym. That's Sky, or it's uh, something else now. This was uh, Cobra, okay. the MMA and Jiu-Jitsu gym. But I was there getting ready to, to train. I was there with Hannah, and uh, she was training. And I was like, well, I'm here. And they've got some larger guys that have fights coming up. I mean, I'll be, I'll be helpful to mm-hmm. these guys. So why don't I just get it? So I, I tell them, all right, I'll spar, and I get my gloves, and I get my gloves out, and I start looking for my mouthpiece. Apparently, I'd left my mouthpiece at home, but I didn't know that. So I'm digging through my bag, and as I'm leaning, leaned over, going through my bag, pulled a muscle or pinched a nerve. I don't know what happened, but suddenly just horrific under. pain. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there like, man, I'm in so much pain right now, but I literally just told these guys that I was going to spar. If I act like I got hurt looking for my mouthpiece – not it's a good look. gonna look like I'm just pussing out, and I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm just gonna train hurt, and I did. I did the whole session hurt. I, I, I went ahead and sparred and Ooh. everything, and then I just laid down in the car on the ride home and went and see, saw my chiropractor the next day. It was not a lot of fun. I could I, like there was no way I was gonna be able to get to sleep that night. Like, yeah. I mean, there's no relief, and it's just it intensifies. Yeah, I've, I've had that happen a bunch of times. I was rolling with Alan Belcher back years ago I was down there staying at his house and rolling with Alan the, the two when I roll with big wrestlers guys who roll like wrestlers even though he wasn't a wrestler guys who roll like they're wrestlers and a lot of fight MMA fighters do or guys who wrestled and then now do jiu-jitsu and they're my size mm-hmm. I always hurt my neck always because <coughs> they're yanking and pulling and just that it's one of the reasons I don't fight anymore is it's just it I can't put in the training that I need to put in to get ready for it, and then every time I fight, I get hurt. So, like, at the end of the fight, I'm always hurt. Mm-hmm. So, um, even this last one, the first-round knockout in my last boxing match, didn't matter. It, I still got hurt because one punch, one little glancing jab off my head shot pain all the way down my neck into my spine and down my right arm. My whole right arm went numb from one little punch that barely landed. Um, and th- that's when I started kind of, like – really throwing heat behind all my strikes because hey, yeah that makes sense like going back and like thinking about that fight then because like there was it was like a switch went off and then i started throwing heat mm-hmm. i wasn't boxing anymore i knew i could knock him out no offense to matthew strickland 
Um, but I knew I could knock him out. And so I, I started throwing that heat, man. But my neck just absolutely, absolutely killed me. And so, yeah, I, uh, I'm a big believer in chiropractic. I believe, you know, there's – if you go back and research how it started, it does make it seem a little shady. Yeah. When you research, like, how chiropractic kind of came into be and what it was sold for. And then, like, how if you see your chiropractor – they believed if you saw your chiropractor, you couldn't get sick. And uh, Joe Hill in the chat. Yeah, yeah. Wrestling is good for you. It is good for you. It's just it's hard on you. There's a reason why you don't see a lot of people continuing it, you know, after college. You don't see a lot of wrestling clubs doing well as martial arts studios because it's, it's a harder way of training. And I'll be honest with you, that's one of – and I'll say this with somebody on here that doesn't train. Uh, I'll be honest with you, the way that wrestling trains and teaches – is a better prerequisite for MMA than jiu-jitsu is, not because stylistically it's necessarily better, which it, it kind of is, but you could apply the stylistic practice of wrestling in jiu-jitsu if you wanted to. Everything that is wrestling is jiu-jitsu. The difference t- between wrestling and jiu-jitsu, in my opinion, is the way that the practice is run. Mm-hmm. You're competing for the starting spot every week. You're killing yourself in the room. The coach is not worried about if your parents are going to pull you out and he's not going to see your money anymore. Uh, They're running it as a team of other athletes your age, and you're in there going at it. I mean, it's a a harder practice. In jiu-jitsu, on the other hand, I'm typically teaching, for the most part, men between 27 and 46. That's the age group that I'm hitting. I can't push those guys in the same way that I could push a room full of 14, 18-year-olds yeah. who are trying to become state champions. It's a totally different push. Yeah. So then when I do have fighters who are in their 20s, I have to kind of pull them to the side and have separate programs for them where we're able to do the things we need to do to get them ready. I have – it's it, it, and it, it becomes a bit of a conundrum because you have to find this balancing act of, okay – Number one, if I run this room the way that's going to make everybody the best, most of the people in this room are going to quit, first off. Yeah, because, like, the 27 27 to 46, you said? Right. Wouldn't They're doing this more as, like – Exercise and just stay in shape. Exercise, stay in shape, and, like, uh, having a place they belong, right? Family. Right. They're not doing it because they want to be world champions, necessarily. Some of them do, but – most combat sambo, basically MMA training, is run under a wrestling format. Works in yeah. I actually did combat sambo for a while. I did sambo and combat sambo both. Um, which, yeah, I mean, it just that harder practice. And and so, but same thing for MMA because if I were to take the average person and put them in one of my MMA training sessions, mm-hmm. they're not going to make it. They're they're going they, they physically you physically they're not going to be able to fight for an hour and a half straight. And that's what a lot of my MMA sessions are. You're in there like we warm up, we spar, we change the format, we spar again, we change the format, we spar again, or we may just keep the same format and just spar, formats, just spar for an hour straight. Um, and you have to learn control. You have to learn, like, how to spar for an hour. And then at the same time, one of the downsides to that can be when sparring for an hour straight, you're you can't start pacing yourself for that hour. Mm-hmm. 
to go for that full hour because then you end up not throwing enough strikes. You don't throw enough strikes. Now all of a sudden you're getting out losing on scorecards because you're not training for the pace of the fight, which is only three rounds. And so you have to find this balance. And um, it it's, you know, it's it's difficult. I'll tell you something that's funny, and I, I think it's important for, like, kids, especially, like, getting involved at an early age in, like, combat sports. Uh, one of your students here, I don't know if he still trains, Jax Allen, Leslie's kid. No, he doesn't. But uh, I, I think it might have been his birthday. And I showed up over there. Say hello to the family. I was already in the area, and uh, there's a kid, same age, just a bigger kid. You know, they all grow a little bit differently. This kid is probably double him in size, and they get into it, and I'm just watching. And I was like, this, this bigger kid's about to learn something. Uh, as soon as it went to the ground, I saw that BJJ kick in. Next thing you know, uh, Jacks he was on his back. And they were choking about. <laughs> <laughs> it makes a difference, man. Now, I will say some kids just kind of got it and some kids don't. Yeah. There are some kids that come in here and you're like, buddy, you've been training for a couple of years. And, you, you know, but for the kinda most stale. part. But, the, well, they're, they're way better than they would have been. Mm-hmm. But some kids just have that, like, that grit, that meanness, that, like, that, that aggression. They're just wired a little bit differently. And it's kind of, it's not always easy to tell who's going to be who. And a lot of kid times, it's not the kids you think it's going to be. That happens, yeah. It happens, happens a lot. lot. Mm-hmm. And adults too, man. A lot of times, you know something that I have learned through my years of training and years of being in, in mixed martial arts, just and bouncing and, you know, going to bars or whatever. What I have seen the most, the guys who look the part typically – it's a show. It's a front. Mm-hmm. The guys that are covered in tattoos with a shaved head and the goatee and they drive the Harley and they, you know, they look like. And a lot of those guys are pussies. What they're you, not. What do you think about, about the baddie? Who's that? Okay, it's the English guy. He's in the uh, UFC. Oh, right Patty Pimblett. Yeah, Patty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Patty the baddie. So like, dude gets just hawking down cheeseburgers. You know, when he's in his off season. Very bench. common for fighters. Yeah. Most, a lot of fighters do this. I guess, like, he's the one that I guess most open about it right now. He's the most open about it, and he goes to an extreme, but I used to do the exact same thing. I used to I used to cut to 170 pounds. I would be 190, 195 walking back in the cage, and within a week after that, I was back to 210, 220. Mm-hmm. Just stuffing my face with toaster strudels, cheeseburgers. It is terrible for your metabolism. Um, it is an eating disorder. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Fighters have uh, – like, fighters and wrestlers tend to have – um, a lot of eating disorders and not take care of themselves properly in their off season between fights. He he's really exposing it and he's kind of leaned into it. Like I just want to be fat and happy. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is, and this is what I found: a, it makes cutting weight every time a very difficult life or death type thing. Number two, I think that it it creates the wrong mentality around your training. Like I I prefer that like. Kobe Bryant mentality of like I grind all the time no matter what I'm not just doing it for an event I'm not just doing it for a fight I'm always hustling I'm always trying to get better can't do that if you're fat can't do that if you're out of shape you got you got to stay in shape now, I'm not saying I'm also not a big fan of, of, of huge weight cuts either I don't like big weight cuts I don't think they're good for you I don't think cutting I mean you see these fighters who cut so much weight they can't get blood to their liver their organs start shutting down then they can't make weight they go to have to go to the hospital whatever um, very common with people who are cutting a lot of weight. I don't like big weight cuts. I don't like that 
and I, I tell all my guys, don't do it. Don't fall into that trap. When you come out of that weight cut, if you want to have a pizza, you want to have a hamburger, you want to have a meal, have it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't go in so hard that you get up to 50, 60 pounds above your fight weight because now you're lethargic. You can't train. You can't put the work in that you need to or you it's going to be harder. It's going to make your next weight cut that much harder. Why? Why make your next weight cut that much harder? Why Why make it that much harder on yourself? I, and I get why you do it because you're so starved. A lot of these guys who are cutting weight, and if you're watching this on the chat, I'd like to know y'all's thoughts on on weight cutting and, and what y'all think, if y'all think the UFC or whoever should uh, um, should fix it. But uh, this is Mark right here. I'm going to put him on speak uh, on uh, on the On blast. Thing. Yeah, I'm going to put him right here on the thing. What's going on, Mark? How are you, brother? You're on the Man Up podcast right now because we're live. So oh, nice, d- don't dude. don't say anything that you don't want to say to thousands of people. All right. Dude, this place I'm supposed to drop off all my stuff for the party doesn't open until 5. So I, I, um, I believe we're going to have to reschedule our event together. Okay. All right. Well, you know, Mark was supposed to – for those of y'all that don't know, Mark was going to come on. We we're going to pre-record Wednesday's episode. So uh, no big deal, brother. Uh, we'll We'll take care of it. And I'll uh, I'll see you next time, okay, bro? All right, man. I'll be contacting you in the next day or so, and uh, we'll get it rescheduled. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. All right, bro. Bye. All right. Well, that stinks, but yeah. it's all right. We should have um, told him we're talking about chiropractors. We're, yeah. we're the doctors. Now. Yeah, now we're the, we're the guys. Uh, we're the guys. With the way that this American culture is going, and when I see, like, Europeans coming over here and they take, a, like, let's say three to six months stay over here, they put on weight. And so just even the way that our culture is glorifying, like if you look at women's magazines, what's on the cover, like if you take a Sports Illustrated, it used to be like, you know, if you was a kid at the time, it, w- it was basically porn. You yeah. Know? It's, it's the same thing that you would see on a girl's Instagram. Yeah. But uh, like with uh, this culture and whatever the hell they're putting in these foods, we're fatter than ever. If you look at pictures of America back in the 50s, 60s, they're slim. Maybe it's because Coke was still in Coke. I don't know. <laughs> well, that wasn't in the – that, then that came out before the 50s and 60s, didn't it? Yeah. When did they take Coke out of Coke? <laughs> Cocaine out of Coke. Coke. Anyway, um, anyway, make your point. But, yeah, my, I mean, yeah. I, my point is, like, we are, we're glorifying uh, being unhealthy. And one thing that we do know about COVID now is, like, if you are overweight or, in my case, smoker, yeah. uh, it's going sure to be a whole lot worse on you. Yeah, absolutely. I still haven't had it. Oh, you haven't? Mm-hmm. I've had it three times. Three or four times. You got kids in the house. So we man. got kids in the house. I, I was running a gym. Yeah. Um, none of the times were terrible for me. Um, I, the first time, I didn't even know I had it. I taught – the AC went out here at the gym. I got it. it. It was going around the gym really heavy, but I just didn't feel good. But I thought it was in the middle of summer. It was in August. The AC went out, so I was teaching classes for two, three, four hours at a time in blistering 100-degree heat and a gi. And I would just, I would get out, I was getting out of breath and kind of lightheaded. And I'm like, gassed. man, I've really, because I used to always teach without an AC. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I've really gotten soft with this AC. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. I thought the AC had just made me soft. I was like, man, we got to get this AC working. Um, Later that night? <laughs> no, no. I did that oh, for a week. A- asymptomatic all I the did way, that or? for a week. And then at the end of the week, uh, we had so many people from the gym coming down with it to the point where it's like, okay, there's got to be a spreader. Who's the common denominator? Who's the sp- and I was like, I need to go get tested. <laughs> so I had every, I had all the employees of the gym get tested, uh-huh. and I came back positive. I was the only one that came back positive. How I didn't get my other employees uh, 
give it to them. I have no idea. But I came back positive, and I, and I quarantined for a few days. But the thing was, was I tested positive at the end of my – my symptoms were ending. So I didn't do two weeks from a positive test. I, I quarantined until I, I got a negative test, mm-hmm. which only took a few days. And they are already uh, – it's flu season. And thank God, like, the flu exists again because, you know, last year – I do want to backtrack to people being before. fat before yeah. we move on. I know we're talking about COVID, but yeah, I do want to like, backtrack to the fat talk. Some states are already uh, wanting people to – mask again which we know do not work of uh, and they also I don't know that they don't work I've just seen the data that implies that they don't work yeah I, d- I know that I'm not I'm I'm I, I don't to me it doesn't matter if the masks work or not I'm against government mandated masks even if they do work mm-hmm. that's the that's the point that I try to get home to people is like I'm not a doctor I don't try to pretend to be a doctor i don't know what the numbers are i've read research that implies that masks don't work and that the shutdowns didn't work when you look at sweden having among the lowest numbers and they didn't do a lot all these mandates and we did implies that maybe we did it for nothing but i don't know here's what i know i know that i stand against government tyranny I know that any right that i give the government is a right that i'm going to have to fight to get back yeah and i know that uh, the people who are mostly pushing this historically have not had my best interests at heart. So if you wonder why I look at these things and I question, okay, uh, do we do we do I really believe these doctors that are saying this? Do I believe the government that's saying this? Do I believe the CDC? Do I believe historically have you had my and the American people's best interests at heart? Not always. Do I trust you? No. That's really all I need to know. That's just it. And but I don't I, trust what you. I was going to say before we hop back to fat people just for a second <laughs> is like when these states are already asking people to mask back up. Okay, I like let's just say that that lockdown was an experiment. How much they said two weeks it lasted longer. Uh, gearing up for the next one, probably. You know, yeah, probably. It's like we got away with it once. What what can we get away with it again? They will try to get away with it again for sure. Um, the but other thing, go, going back, let's backtrack off COVID just a little bit. I want to, I want to, because we're, 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 you were talking about the culture that we're living in. I actually saw a video the other day about this exact same thing, and this is the point that I, I don't, I don't make comments on TikTok videos, and I don't make com- that, well, that I disagree with. If you make points that I don't like or whatever, I don't comment. Mm-hmm. I, if it's content that I don't agree with, I don't want to push it. And then also, it's impossible to get a well articulated point across in a comment section. It's just really, really difficult to do. And the other thing is, you, comments are never going to change people's minds. No, they're not. They're never, you're not helping anything. You're just pushing that person's content more into the algorithm. Just like I had that Die Hard video go viral on uh, TikTok recently about me saying that Die Hard must be a Christmas movie because Home Alone is a Christmas movie, and they're the same movie. I believe I made a good point, but I really don't give a shit. All the people that are arguing, though, what they don't understand is they're the ones making my video go viral. It's not the people getting on saying that they agree with me. It's the people getting on saying that I'm wrong. So I don't do it. But here was his point. He was saying that men, as long as you're confident and you have good character and whatever, the si- your size doesn't matter. Um, basically very similar to what they've tried to push on us with women, that, hey, if you can be big and fat and way overweight and be sexy, whatever. He said, as long as you're working on yourself to get better, as long as you're trying to, to improve who you are, yeah. then um, that's fine. Here's, here's my point to that. And I do believe as a man you can be overweight 
and still be found attractive by the opposite sex. I believe as a woman, you can still be found attractive by the opposite sex, depending on how fat we're talking. If we're, if we're talking like four, five, six, seven hundred pounds, uh, I'm sorry, I, I don't believe that's that a, that's you are a, sexually viable. I believe that people may like you, but if you start getting up into that morbidly obese number, that five, six, seven hundred pounds, like at, I don't, at that point, you become a burden on your loved ones and and on society as a whole. Like yeah. you're not really able to work, you're not being able to do things. Uh, Here's the other point, though. I believe that as a, as a man, as a as a human, but I can't speak for women. I can speak for men. Right. And I believe that it is more important for men to work on themselves every day, to improve themselves every day, and to become the best version of themselves every day. I 100% believe it is impossible to be the best version of yourself, to work on yourself every day, if you're not taking your health into that realm if you're not thinking about what you look like if you're not thinking about how you feel the thing about it is when you're in the best shape you're more creative yeah you feel better you have more energy you can work longer you can do more that's a fact it's a fact you are a if you are fat and out of shape you are not the best version of yourself you could be oh absolutely dude and so if you're taking what he said in that video seriously where the important thing is if you're working on yourself and trying to be the best version of yourself you can be there is no best version of you that's fat and out of shape. All right, just to go back to that sport illustrated. So, like one of the latest sport illustrated that, and I will say was bef- was put out before like, we move on into that. I will say that I believe that the body image that a lot of models put out is not an attractive body image either. Well, I mean, think about before like, all this. Okay, filters on Instagram, and like I said, like you said, I'm not a woman, so I really can't speak on this. But of these, you can speak on it. Yeah, these filters. On your social media that these girls, you know, use, whether it be their face, maybe it's the angle that they use from the top down, whatever it is that they're, I do that too. you know, trying to get away with. Yeah. Of, dude, that is that is totally fine. It's okay. But, like, it ain't going to sell when you actually go in reality. Yeah, so. they're not too worried about And I think we're, we're almost at a point in our society now is, like, what is reality? Um like is like we're at a point where I think peop- their people's online personas are almost more real than their real life persona. Oh yeah, and, th- and we're only showing like the best parts of ourselves, right. you know. And so, the point that I'm trying to get to here, we we live in a world of absolute abundance in America. We live in a world where we figured out how to make very rare foods cheaply. We figured out how to make sugar very very cheap. We can pack high fructose corn syrup as sugar into things, making things unnaturally sweet giving us unnatural dopamine effects when we eat it. Mm -hmm. We figured out the texture that people like to eat the most, which would be crispy on the outside, soft on the inside. We figured out how to... um, Deep fried Twinkie. Yeah, we figured out how to... um, Like a lot of things, if you think about like crispy on the outside, soft on the inside, think about all the foods that follow that, that are bad for you, that follow that um, algorithm, follow that... The way that they do do that, you think about Oreos, you think about uh, just, a, I mean, a lot of your snack cakes, a lot of your, um, you fried, know, fried chicken, fried foods. Yeah, yeah exactly. So th- is it the colonel's fault? We figured out. I don't know that it's anybody's <laughs> fault. <laughs> I think that it was a secret spice. I think that we've, we're, we're coming into this era of humanity where abundance has become so prevalent that Poor people are fat. Rich Hom- people are homeless. Thin. Homeless people are fat. I don't see a lot of fat homeless people, but I've seen a few. Yeah, I've seen a few. I've seen a few like overweight homeless people, and you c- you just can't. That's pretty impressive too. 
you, you can't hit this. It really is. I mean, this is, as a society, it does say to be a able lot. to put extra weight on people that can't afford a place to live, that is, that's crazy. Yeah. That's a crazy thing. And also, like, with, with our society right now, this is, uh, it's, we're in a weird place. We've been in this place for a long time. Although, you know, for most of my life, this country has been at war, whether it's out, you know. Yeah, we're in a wartime economy. Yeah. Yeah. Middle East, whatever. Now we're just back in Ukraine, whatever. Uh, but my point is, like, just here in the States, because we never fight it on our own soil, we have it so well. Just look at TikTok and these social medias. Uh, these Gen Z, they have it so well that they have to invent problems to fight. Right. Well, actually, they don't have to do that. That's what the human brain does naturally. That's actually uh, been, been proven by science that that is the human brain's and natural response of the amygdala and the, the uh, reticular activating, uh, activating system. So essentially what your amygdala, what your reticular, uh, what your amygdala does in your brain is it filters out relevant information. So mm -hmm. if you think about all the information that you take in today, the ads that you see, the billboards, the people that you see driving down the road, the cars that you see, and if you ever think about, okay, you drive a silver Toyota, right? Mm -hmm. And before you bought that, you may not have seen that many silver now Toyotas. I see them all the but time. now they're all the time. That's your reticular activating system and your amygdala. So your amygdala processes that information. Well, one of the thing, the reason for that is, is it, it's processing re relevant information. The most relevant information that it can process is information that has to do with our survival, things that we should be stressed out about. We live what, and we have seen this time and time again the less people have to be stressed out about the more happy people should be and but the they're not. easier people's lives are the less happy they are mm -hmm. the more depressed they are the more um unhappy they are it, it's almost as if we're living in this perpetual i actually have a, had a theory i talked about on the podcast one time that i believe that the curse of the bible W the sin curse was actually our development as we as a human species have developed and we have created more abundance we've toiled in the field we've created you know we went from agriculture to to absolute abundance and ag agriculture then to technology the industrial revolution and as this has happened more people have ki are killing themselves than ever before people are more medicated than they've ever been. Everything that should have made us happier, everything that should have made us better has made us worse. Everything that made us happier, should have made us happier, has made us less happy. And everything that should have solved a lot of these psychological issues has made them worse. You have more people in therapy, more people oh, on there's drugs. There's more mental illness here than ever. Ever, ever. And like Struggle is the purpose of life. And, and it you, came as out. You re, as like, you remove it, you'll find it. The SSRIs and these anxiety medications that we're prescribing, this this whole pharmaceutical bullcrap, like, oh, they're loving it, dude. Our politicians are bought and sold. Our news media is bought and sold by pharmaceuticals. You, you want me to tell you a really good example of this? Do you know, have you ever researched the numbers on the effects of psychedelics on things like PTSD, OCD, um, and depression. Oh, yeah, it's good for it. <laughs> if not only is it good for it, they have proven time and time again, uh, psychedelic mushrooms, okay, um, psilocybin mushrooms, mm -hmm. when given by a doctor, and when they do like their therapy with it, can completely cure most of these symptoms mm -hmm. with a single treatment. 
Now, why is that? Why that get swept under the rug? Well, there ain't no money in that. There's no money in single treatments. Right. If I can't keep selling you a pill, there's no money. Let's just like go back to the uh, the subscription mode with the chiropractic. You know. Right. Like if I can get you hooked. Well, I mean, but or if I can just get you here's to keep the coming argument, back, that's a right? preventative medicine deal, and that's it's very similar to like a gym membership. Yeah. So like, if I'll keep coming back, um, I won't have the issue. Is is the thought pattern? Yeah. You know, I don't, and I don't know if that's the, I don't know enough about chiropractic. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shit on Mark on the podcast. Uh, no, I mean, his, I'm not crap. I'm not crapping on him. But I think it's brilliant. Yeah. You no. Know? Yeah. But the thing about the the pharmaceuticals companies are. When you are actively, you are actively covering up and doing things to keep people sick, that's a problem for me. And the pharmaceutical companies in the United States have been protected by the FDA. They have been protected by our own government. They have mm-hmm. been bought and they have bought and sold to politicians, mm-hmm. and it, they have proven time and time again and you wonder why some of these crackpot holistic medicines that don't work catch on because people are so fed up they are so disgusted and they distrust big pharmaceutical companies and the american government so much that they're willing to try anything because you 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 sit there and tell me it doesn't work when you've lied to me so many times well i have no reason to believe you anymore that's just it and it's the same thing with covid People wonder why, well, follow, follow what the doctors are saying. Just do what you're told. It's like, guys, we've been l- listening to these doctors for the past hundred years, and more often than not, they were wrong. They were telling me that 80% of my diet should be bread a few years That's ago. That's right, the food, the food pyramid. You, you know? don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I, I would say it's purposely, it's by design to make you unhealthy, you know. To fatten us up. Yeah. Because it's the same it's the same, the, the food pyramid that they were feeding us is the same thing they feed cattle to fight, fatten them up. Mm-hmm. It's the same way that they feed them. Here's the only, um, what do I want to say here? Uh, the only thing that, like, kind of saves them is the fact that we can't go anywhere else. And that's by design as well. Like, they've, they've, they've created such a monopoly that what are we going to do? What's the, what's the alternative here? And the alternative that a lot of people are coming to is holistic medicine, is um, psychedelics. And I've seen psychedelics work for people. I've seen, it, I've, seen it, I've seen them be abused just like any drug can be abused. Yeah. Like but I 100,000% believe that psychedelics are less dangerous and for mental health, more healthy, but way less dangerous than the opiates that we prescribe for pain. They're less addictive. There's been zero proof that psychedelics are habit-forming and addictive. There's been zero evidence that psychedelics have long-term negative effects. What they do is they do allow you to be manipulated because psychedelics, what they do, if you ever read the book Catching Fire, they talk about this. The effect that psychedelics have on the brain is very, very similar to the effect of a religious experience um, and a flow-like state. And in those religious experiences, and this is the reason why religious experiences at church and things can be so powerful, you, we literally as humans have an ability to rewire wire the neural pathways of our brain. Yeah, that's what that does. And, uh, you know, it's maybe conspiratorial, but uh, fluoride, I mean, we talked about the penile gland, uh, which is the part of the brain. It's the yeah, third eye. Produces DMT. That's right. And yeah. it's also like when you go on a psychedelic trip, that is... 
big part of the brain that is being kicked in and the rewiring and all that begins yeah. to take place. Yeah, they believe that uh, the, the penile huge. gland produces DMT on the moment that you die, and that's where the, the, the near-death experiences come through, come from, and things like that, which I don't, I don't necessarily think that's true, but I do believe the penile gland does produce DMT, and most living things have some form of DMT in yeah. them. That's an interesting I fact d- for me, too. I do, I do highly recommend, like, microdosing, but, like, just like anything else, a psychedelic could be abused. Uh, Absolutely. I, I, but, like, microdosing. Uh, it's a different thing. Yeah. It's way different, and, yeah. like, it's, it's a solid trip. It's not very, no, not a lot of hallucinations. Yeah. It's not a trip if it's a microdose. Yes, it's yeah. no hallucinations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've microdosed, and I've been, I've been, I've, been, I've, I've, I've never... Uh, and personally, I've never actually went all the way into like a full hallucina- hallucin- hallucination trip. Um, I've only had one, and we what were was your experience with that, dude. It was wonderful. Of uh, we stepped outside, and so there just a lot of woods. It was springtime, a lot of different greens. You look at the trees; it looked like they were just waving back and forth, and you kind of see the shades of green kind of going back and forth. Uh, me and my buddy got the football out. Couldn't catch for shit. No death perception with that. But I don't. So, so were you hallucinating or were you just high? Because that's the next. So you got, you got the microdose, then you can get high. Mm-hmm. And I've been that far where I like I really I really saw the beauty of nature. I really saw. I remember I was. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it, I walked around downtown. And when I get when I do mushrooms, I want to be by myself. I've only done them a couple times in I my like, life. I don't like going alone. I like at least one more person. You know, I will. Uh, I, when I every time I've done but it, but I but I don't want them to be sober. I want them to be on the trip right, with on me. the trip with you. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, they say that most of the time doing psychedelics is like one of the most real spiritual experiences most people, even if you're religious, have in your entire life. I personally don't see anything wrong with them as long as they're done in a fashion that is you are in control of and you are you're not over extending yourself you're not doing them all the time just to have fun with your buddies or whatever i think that it should be i think they should be dealt with with a, a bit of reverence and i'm not talking like a spiritual reverence i mean the same way that um you should drink alcohol with a bit of reverence you should drink alcohol with the understanding of hey if i let this go too far it could ruin my life and i believe alcohol statistically speaking worst, that's more worst, true of worst drug than psychedelics in terms of it can make you violent. While I take a sip. Yeah. Go ahead, brother. I mean, I'm not no. judging. No. I'm not judging. No, I see where you're at, but like. I'm just saying uh, that I think that when, whenever you're altering your state of consciousness, that needs to be done with a certain amount of reverence, and it needs to be done in a controlled environment, and you need to know what you can handle, and you need to know where you need to stop. But I, I'm very happy that I wasn't in America during the time of, like, the Prohibition. Like, I, I'm glad, like, we're free, and, like, you, Absolutely. you can go, and you can have a drink at a bar. You can go, I'm you can go get you a bottle of liquor, uh, 100% whatever. I'm and anti-prohibition I, I, and, in and every I, way possible. And I would go further, like, uh, now, black tar heroin, should that be legal? That's a bit of a stretch, but, like, with psychedelics, marijuana. Black tar heroin only exists because of prohibition. If it were not for prohibition, black tar heroin would not exist. Crocodile wouldn't exist. Heroin would like, yeah. likely not exist. Crack cocaine would not exist. Yeah. Methamphetamine, as we know it right now, would not exist. And this fentanyl, the fentanyl problem that we have right is now is because of prohibition. Exactly. So if like if I had the freedom to go get me a psilocybin mushroom from the store, or if I could just um, marijuana, it does have uh, it, it can cure some pains. It has, it has negative, it has positive and negative effect, but yeah. a lot of positive and more positive. 
and less negative than a lot of pharmaceutical drugs and a lot of over-the-counter things like cigarettes and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Marijuana has been proven. I'm a I'm a huge proponent. Here's my thing, and this yeah, is yeah. I think we both have a very libertarian approach. I'm very libertarian, and this is the thing about blacks are heroin, and this is the reason why I'm anti-prohibition. I'm I'm also a realist, so I do understand that if the U.S. government and all the states were to all of a sudden come together and say, okay, we're going to eliminate all prohibition on any substances whatsoever, you would have a flooded market and a lot of people OD really quickly. I, I 100% believe that. I do believe that some oversight as far as knowing what's in what you're putting in your body and having some education as to what that is, is necessary. So I, I believe that all prescription drugs, and this is a law, they should have to disclose what's in them. Mm-hmm. I also believe that you should have to disclose what's in the food that you're selling. And you should have to disclose what's in the supplements you're selling. Right now, that law does not exist for supplements. But I believe that if you're going to sell something for someone to put in their body, there does need to be some form of oversight to make sure that nothing else is going into that product. You're not cutting it with something else. Outside of that, though, if I know what black tar heroin does to me, and when I do black tar heroin, I don't hurt anyone else. I'm not beating up my kids after I come down. I'm not, which and that's the case. That's that's the argument a lot of people take with black tar heroin. Mm-hmm. Well, we have to keep not or not heroin, but like meth. A lot of people. I don't know how many meth heads you've been around, but you're from Kennedy, Alabama, so I'm guessing a couple. Okay? Quite a few, yeah. Quite a few, yeah. No offense to Kennedy, Alabama, but I'm from that around that country part of my country myself, Lamar County as a whole. I, uh, and I've been around a lot of methamphetamine in my life. Mm-hmm. People on meth do weird shit. Yes, they do. They do weird things like in, everybody in that weird I know, hours. Yeah, just. Like, weird, like, I've known a lot of straight dudes that have been talked into doing gay shit when on meth, because everything kind of seems like a good idea. That's, yeah. You know, like, like I, I'm, I'm completely anti-meth. I don't believe you should ever smoke meth. I've been around a lot of meth. I have, I have, fr- I had friends in their 20s with no teeth. In their 20s, bro. Yeah. And that's the reason why I never even tried it, because I had a lot of friends that were doing it. I had friends that kind of tried to talk me into it here and there. Not too much, though. But I'm just like, bro, do you know I can see you? I can see you. You don't have any teeth. You're 24. I used to be a manager at a, a scrapyard in Mobile, and uh, I, I had two guys underneath me, and I knew one of my guys that he was tweaker. Yeah. And he came in, and he was just being slow as shit. We had a lot of orders to get out that day. We would put, like, car doors, transmissions, motors on a pallet, load them up on an 18-wheeler. The order come in that day. It's got to go out that day. Yeah. And uh, I come to him right before lunch, and I said, uh, I need you to go home and get tweaked up and come back. <laughs> and he just looked at me, and he was like, what? No I said, way. I said, go home, do whatever it is that you do, and come back. I need you to work. <laughs> wow. And he took it up on it, and, buddy, we got, we got the orders out. Wow. You told him to go smoke some meth and come back. <laughs> I don't believe I'd have told that. <laughs> I believe I'd have kept that to myself. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I've never done that, but I will say this is my this is my political viewpoint on it. I believe that we can't make that you can't make that argument. You cannot make the argument that a substance has to be banned because some people do bad things on the substance. That's just it. I mean, there's an article that came out last week. This is on marijuana in states and cities, locations where uh, marijuana is. You can walk in a dispensary and buy it. They've noticed since it's happened that uh, car accidents and uh, deaths from that have significantly gone up. Of course. And I said, of, of course they have. Sense. 
uh, people who may have been uh, too scared to do it are now trying it. They don't know right. the, what portion, how to do it, how much to do. Right. And uh, I mean, it's it is just like getting behind the wheel if you're drink if you've been drinking. Yeah. You know, you are impaired. Yeah, it's not quite as bad. So, you have to be higher, I think, when you're yeah. smoking than you have to be drunk. Like I think, I think yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think you're as brave on weed. Right, as right. When, when when I'm when I have driven under the influence of marijuana, I tend to be very careful. I tend to drive very slowly, like under the speed limit. Mm-hmm. I tend to kind of taking everything in. Yeah, I tend to. You want a little more space. It's a very different experience. Very yeah. different experience. That being said, you should not drive high. But I don't think that that's a good argument for outlawing marijuana. No, it's not. It's and an argument to say you shouldn't drive on marijuana. This is in Starville. There's a couple of dispensaries. I think they're classified under hemp, but they got a store. Uh, I think it was the Green Guys. There's a couple of stores in Starville that you can go and get you some hemp or you can get you some gummies. Yeah, Delta 8, Delta 9 type that's, stuff. That's right. Yeah. And so this cat, and this made, I don't know if it was a state student, but Mississippi State put out a statement on this. Someone went down to the dispensary, bought a pack of gummies, took the entire pack. Oh, wow. On, it gives you the directions on the pack. You know, if this is your first time, cut one in half, and right. it's usually a pack of five. You take all of them. Then they call the law and report that store and be like, I took their product, and I'm stoned out of my mind, and I'm scared to death. And I was like, you idiot. What did you think was going to happen? Why are you snitching anyway? <laughs> Why are you snitching, dog? Yeah. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Uh, what are you doing? What, are you doing? What, what, what did you think you were buying? Yeah, what, what, what did you think the outcome what was going to be? What, what was he thinking he was buying? I want to know who this is. I want to bring him on. I want to bring this guy on the podcast. What did you – because I, I want to hear him defend his, his point sni- here. His snitching? <laughs> yeah, I, wanna, I want you to defend your point here because – And I would – I'd love – that would be the one time where I would love to be a cop and go to that store and be like, hey, dude, some idiot just called in and, like, said that they got really stoned off your product. Uh, can I get whatever he got? <laughs> Let me get that, bro. Yeah, I, that's that's insanity. What a little snitch. Uh, yeah, dude, it was wild. This is like a month ago. I mean, like Mississippi State put a statement out on it. Made like the Starville Daily. And, and I okay. And and the, I, I, a lot of times we get labeled as a, um, and not necessarily incorrectly, but we get labeled oftentimes as a more conservatively viewed yeah. uh, show. I mean, a lot of a lot of people that watch yeah. this are, are more conservative. But this is the area that I believe conservatives have really dropped the ball. And, and this, is, this is my, as a libertarian, I believe that it's really difficult if you're a conservative that was pro-prohibition, but then you want to be anti-lockdown because of freedom. I think that you're, I think that you're, you're towing a line here. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, well, I believe that all drugs should be made illegal. But I believe that it's unconstitutional to lock people away because of a virus. Mm. Well, uh, the argument that you're Mm. making there is you believe that the government is more inclined to pass laws based on your morality than the safety of the of of the population. And I disagree with both. Okay, I I don't believe I do believe the government has to make laws based on safety. But when you as a conservative gave the government the power to take people's ability to change their their state of consciousness when you pushed for alcohol to be taken away because Lamar Lamar County was dry till just a few years ago, brother. It's only Selgent now. Oh, really? Vernon just went went back dry. Oh, Vernon sells now? I I thought Max and Vernon sold it. Okay, well, Millport and Kennedy are the only two left then. Really? Southside, you can't get nothing, but you can go to Reform, same thing as Pickens County. 
Reform sells, and I think Aliceville. But Carrollton and Gordo, dry. See, now, Pickens County, are they are they still dry? Yes, but Reform you can buy. Okay, in. see, because Pickens County, I had a friend go to jail for having alcohol in Pickens County years ago. He was Dude, We were partying in Pickens County. Like uh, Jason Isbell has a song called Sp- Speed Trap Town. I would say Pickens County is Speed Trap County. Like yeah. that song had to be about Pickens County. Yeah, that's a tough. Because I remember like growing up in Kennedy, and this is why we we hung out in Columbus. Yeah. Because like, if you were gonna go to Tuscaloosa, you had to go through Pickens County, and there was gonna be roadblocks. You were yeah. gonna be harassed just yeah. because you didn't have a thirty-two county tag. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be really careful driving between Columbus and Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. You go through Reform and Gordo, brother. Especially Reform. You better slow your butt down. I had an officer try to pull me over and reform at eight o'clock in the morning in his personal vehicle. In his and I, I, I didn't stop. Head in the work. I'm gonna go ahead and get that first ticket. Right. He he. And, what did he do? Okay. He put the little light on. No, top. no. He <laughs> waved me down and pulled up next to me and rolled his window down. And it, let me tell you what happened. Okay, I was. I was running super late to get to Birmingham Airport. I had to dr- get this guy. His flight left at like 9.30 or something, mm-hmm. okay? Um, I didn't realize what time his flight left. He was a Brazilian who was teaching jiu-jitsu at my school, and he didn't speak very good English. So he did not relay to me what time he needed to leave. Well, I get there. Not only did he not relay it to me, he wasn't ready. So I had to, like, help him get his stuff together. He had all these bags. We load him up. We start – I'm flying to Birmingham because he's going to miss his flight. He ended up actually missing his flight. Um, I'm, and I will tell the truth. I was probably doing about 100 miles an hour there coming into reform. I was flying. Brave in itself right there. Very brave. I've done it a couple times. I ain't going to lie. Yeah. Uh, but – and I did it recently because, like, for a flight out of Atlanta. Um, but he, he pulls up next to me, and he's like, said something like pull over and I was like what and he had his uniform on but he was in a personal, personal. vehicle and he was like I he was like I pulled up behind you and I got up to 85 miles an hour behind you and I still couldn't catch you and yada 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 and I was like running late for a flight and he said something else and I took off <laughs> the light turned green and I took off and left him and See it's ya. like sorry buddy you're not in a patrol car you're not on duty yet he was like I'm on my way to get me on duty and yada yada I'm like well you're not on duty yet buddy like if you can catch me coming back through, yeah. then you can get me then. Good on you, yeah. You know, but uh, he didn't, and I, I didn't get a ticket. Very lucky, because I've known people that got tickets for going, like, one, two miles over the speed limit there. Old people, too. Like, wasn't young. Like, I had my buddy's grandparents. They got a ticket for less than five miles an hour over the speed limit. Well, what percentage, like, and I believe this is really why we have speed limits, what percentage of Americans would you say are actually good drivers? I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. Like, well, define good. That's another thing. You got to define what's a good driver. Okay, okay. So, and I think it is different because, uh, you know, we have a, quite a few climates as you go across. Like, the north laughs at us because we shut our roads down, you know, when it gets yeah. a little icy down here. We don't have the salt machines. We can't defrost yeah, we our don't roads. Have, we don't have like bulldozers. We, don't, we yeah. don't have the we don't have the ability to clean the roads off at all. We right. have nothing. There's not yeah. there's not a single machine in the entire state of and Mississippi. So like, you know, like for managing Michigan snow. a dunk on Alabama for that and be yeah. like and, and to be fair, people in Michigan, I promise you can drive better in the snow than people from Alabama and Mississippi can. Absolutely. Because can. they've done it. Yeah. They, they do s- it. They spend half their year but doing it. But I bet you we can drive better in the mud than most of them. That's a point. That's a point. And that's the other thing. It's okay. So, the, other, the other question is, this is a big argument between me and my wife. My wife is a safer driver than me. And what I mean by that is, in terms of the amount of speeding tickets, the amount of accidents that she has been in, she hasn't been in any. Mm-hmm. She's never been in an accident. I've been in probably 
eight or nine. Um, I'm not a safe driver. I'm very dis- I, I get distracted really easily. Before I got on Adderall, almost all my accidents were before I got on Adderall. Um, she like is. You were just like kind of on the phone or just. No, I just would zone out in my own head. I oh. wasn't on the phone. I'm not distracted by anything in the vehicle. It's actually if I'm probably safer if I am distracted by something in the vehicle than if I'm distracted by things in my own head. Because yeah, once I you're kind of dozed once off. Once I go off in my own head, I don't. I'm not. It's hard for me to pick up what's. I'm just on autopilot. Ain't that scary? Like, okay, I'm commuting from Columbus to Starville for work, and then like I get to work and I don't remember. Don't remember the drive. I don't remember a song I listened to. Or I don't remember yeah, like your a, limbic system a took thing. Over. Yeah, it yeah. was just. Whoop. Yeah, your limbic system took over. Um, here's the thing, though. But All like, right? uh, defi- if me def- and my wife were to rob a bank, I need you, to be the one in the, the getaway drive. drive. I need to be the getaway driver. Well, that's a big thing about men and women. Which one's right? the better driver? I, I was. I think I, it might have been the last podcast I did on porch talk, but we were talking about this with whether it is it's risk, right? This is a difference between men and women, in my opinion. Is uh, women don't take the same risk as men? Absolutely not. I mean, you and you see it on these viral videos that uh, it's testosterone. Yeah, it's like. Yeah. This is why women live longer, and you'll see, like, two yeah. five-year-old boys, like, banging each other in the head with trash cans. Well, there's an interesting point in this, and if you ever listen, get an opportunity to listen to Andrew Huberman when he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, he talked about this. And also, I would highly recommend, if you're interested in uh, brain chemistry and hormones and things like that from a really unbiased person, Andrew Huberman's podcast. I don't think is, it's good that women are taking testosterone now because that's, that is going to make them aggressive as yeah, hell. Probably. Well, it could. Testosterone kind of makes you more of what you already are. So if you're already aggressive, testosterone oftentimes will make you more aggressive. Mm-hmm. The other thing that testosterone does is this, though. It makes you less risk-adverse. It's, it's an absolute proven fact. And the reason is is because testosterone drives us to mate. And when you're in the real world, not the simulation that we've built, but like, for instance, rams, um, in order to mate, they have to fight another ram. They have to they have to engage in battle, and which could it's lead like a rite of passage, right? Well, it could lead to them dying. It could lead to them not not being able to not only procreate and make children, but also be wiped out from the gene pool altogether, where they take an injury or they get killed or whatever. So, mating is an inherently very risky thing in nature. So, in order to combat that, what I believe God did or nature did or whatever you want to say, um, testosterone lowers that inhibition to um, not get hurt. It lowers the inhibition, and it makes very difficult, dangerous tasks enjoyable to us. Mm -hmm. So the more testosterone you have, the more you're going to find a hard workout that really pushes you enjoyable, the more you're going to find competing enjoyable very violent or very physical tasks are going to be more enjoyable. And these are all related to the levels of testosterone you have. So you see young men when they're coming into this rite of passage age of 12, 13, 14, 15, even 16 years old, where their bodies are producing massive amounts of hormones, massive amounts of testosterone and human growth hormone that's making them grow. But the testosterone really makes them non-risk adverse. It makes them want to do really stupid things. And so if you're a young man and you're dealing with that, that's very natural. It just means that you have a lot of testosterone and that you're, that you're exploring. The, that's your way of exploring the world around you. Yes, you are probably going to get hurt. Um, is, I mean, it goes even to uh, stocks. Like uh, dudes are more likely to take riskier stock picks than women. 
and you know they're they temp, they a woman will typically be a little more conservative with her picks on the stocks. I don't have any data on this personally? Uh, and then I, I I took it a step further. I was like, uh, how many women drug dealers have you come across in your day? Very few, very fewer. Yeah, fewer. Well, and but here's the thing about that. Okay, so this are is, are any very risky lifestyle? That's our time. Like we're at an hour. I tell you what. Let's roll this. I, w- I would like to roll this conversation in a Wednesday's episode. Okay. And the reason is, is because this right here could get long. It could. This right here, because I've got a lot of points here. Um, so if you want to check out the rest of this conversation, we talk about the differences between men and women. We talk about, uh, we're going to go into the differences in hormones, the differences in mating strategies, things like that. Make sure to check out the Man Up podcast on Wednesday. Make sure to leave us a five-star review on where however you listen on can you do five star reviews on spotify you can now. okay spotify leave us a five star review on apple podcast make sure you leave us a five star review it really helps a ton guys yeah it really really does that is that is the algorithm on, on this podcast, on podcast. absolutely also go give us a uh, follow on instagram and facebook and subscribe to our youtube channel we'll see you guys on the next episode peace